So today's uh, message, we're really going to focus on Moses. Moses, and I, I, I subtitled this Separated for a Purpose. Separated for a Purpose out of Hebrews uh, 11, 23 through 28. So let's read, you know, this, this should be on your page. Certainly it's, it's in scripture. It's pulled out of, um, pulled out of a, a, a scripture app uh, to make sure it's accurate as compared to retyping it. By faith, Moses, when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the king or the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible through faith he kept the Passover and sprinkling the blood lest that he destroyed the firstborn uh, that, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them so um I, I did consider breaking this into to smaller to smaller segments, but it is really about Moses, and it's it's kind of interesting because the first part is really not necessarily Moses's faith, right? He, I mean, you can't have faith to be born, right? Right? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. The faith really came from the parents in this situation, and I considered parsing that out. Uh, but, but for a couple different reasons, I, I think there's a reason why Scripture in this specific case references or attributes it to Moses, and we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But there's really three phases of his life here. There is the time when he is a child, his preservation, really up to the time when he then leaves and goes to the, the backside of the desert for the 40 years. And then when he comes back and he helps uh, through the Lord, obviously, and uh, the Lord's uh, strength and power and might, in helping the Egyptian or the uh, Israelites leave Egypt, so I divided this into three sections, um, and it's really there's three separations in Moses's life, three separations, and they were all for a purpose. They all had a purpose. The first one, and again, this is just high level. We're going to spend some time in each one of these. Someone else separated him, right? His parents separated him. Mm -hmm. They protected him. And we'll look at Jochebed's plan. And then he separated himself in verses 24 to 26 when he goes and, and spends some time, obviously gets a wife and a family. Uh, and this is really around Moses' identity, his identity. And then he separated the nation, the, verses 27 and 28, and that's to God's purpose, okay, God's purpose uh, for his life. Now, I put this, this little tagline down here that each of these required faith over fear. If you look, and, and again, whether you do it on your notes or in your Bible, uh, you know, it's completely up to you, but notice um, in the first verse that we read, 23, by faith, when he, Moses, when he was born, was hit of his parents, or was hit three months of his parents, because they uh, saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So they chose faith over fear. And then we'll actually see that it's nested a little bit in the next few verses, but jump down toward the end uh, and you'll see um, in verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. 
okay? So each of these require a choice by someone. If you want to be separated, if you want to be used of God, maybe not to the extent Moses was used, but if you want to be used by God, you are going to come to a point in your life where you have to choose faith over fear. Now, faith may take the form of action, right? As compared to inaction. It may be a different action compared to action A, right? It's a, it's a, I'm going to follow this faith action versus a fear action. But you will be forced to make that decision. And I would argue that you're going to make it several times in your life. Each point at which God is going to grow you, you will be faced with a fork in the road. And the road less traveled, as, as uh, uh, the poet Robert Frost said, is going to make all the difference. But that path is going to look more fearful. It's going to have an element of, of fear. And you're going to have to choose faith over that fear. It's just that simple. Okay? It's, it's baked all the way through scripture. Okay? There, I mean, it's story after story after story. But we're going to see it highlighted in Moses' life. Okay? So we're going to look at each of these in the time that we have remaining. So Jochebed is Moses' mom. Okay, we see that in a different uh, different portion of scripture. Just you, you can look it up if, if you want to see the verse verses actually. But Jochebed is his mom. His, her plan has addressed all of the risks associated with the fact that Moses should have died. So Exodus. So I'd, I'd encourage you to go to to turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter one, the end of Exodus chapter one, and then uh, we'll spend some time in in two and, and some other verses here. They will be on the screen, but I want you to understand some context here, right? So at the end of Exodus chapter 1, start in verse 18, And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere to the uh, ere the midwives come in. So these nurses that would go in and deliver the 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 uh, the babies, right? In verse sixteen, they were supposed to kill them, but the Hebrew women were different. They would have the kids without the the Egyptian women coming. They were strong, you know, that way. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives fear God. Then he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all the all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Now look at chapter 2, just the continuation of the story. We often see these big breaks in the chapters, but it's the next verse, right? And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw, uh, saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not, uh, not longer hide him, she took for an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Okay. So her plan to protect Moses, to protect this child, who is not yet called Moses, actually, to protect this child was perfect. It addressed all the risk. She followed the command. I don't know if you noticed this. What was the command of Pharaoh? 
All the children should be cast in the river. What did she do? She put him in the river. Mm-hmm. He did. She didn't. She, he didn't say you had to put him in without a little boat, without a little basket. Okay. She did exactly what was called. And that's a very wise, a very wise woman right there. Okay. And then the second thing, it was pitch and slime. Now the words are actually kind of, and and I didn't take time to to do the research, but there's. Um, naturally occurring uh, elements or, or, or uh, materials that would have been available to protect it to, to to basically seal the ark and it's almost an asphalt type it will come up it'll actually rise to the surface of different water uh, bodies of water in Egypt and the Middle East and it will actually harden with the sun if it sits too long so it's real easy to scoop this stuff up and put it in and then it will harden in the sun. Mm-hmm. So she actually created this watertight seal, this little boat, this buoyant. I mean, you don't do that. I don't know if anybody else saw on Facebook, people were doing all sorts of ingenious ways to get candy to kids without getting close. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw slides. I saw ghosts that were sliding down out of on a, on a uh, pulley down and pulled mm-hmm. back up. I saw one guy I worked with made a, um, I work with made a, uh, like a potato gun, you know, like the PVC mm-hmm. pipe and then it uh-huh. poof. So he did that with candy so he could socially distance deliver candy yesterday. That It took some planning, yeah. right? This took some planning. She didn't just trip into to making this little boat. I mean, she had to, she had to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as she was doing it, she prayerfully considered it. But, but notice that this little, this basket provided protection. It provided protection. And you say, well, what's it provide protection from? Look at verse 5 in Exodus 2. And the daughters of Pharaoh came down, or the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river side. Anybody know why the maidens would walk along the river side? Snakes? Crocodiles. Crocodiles. Mm-hmm. This is a picture of a buddy of mine. This is a, a pastor at the church we used to go to. His name's Bobby Bonner. He spent uh, 20 some odd years. This is in Zambia, Africa. I think I've been to this place. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm. sure that I've been to this very place. These three guys are the pastors. Mm -hmm. They're going to be doing baptisms. Mm -hmm. Do you know what these guys are doing? Uh At least some of them? Watching for for crocodiles. Mm -hmm. Now that's that's real faith. (laughs) I I don't know about a little horse trough. It might not be warm enough, but you're going to walk down in and watch out for crocodiles when you get baptized, right? Man. So there will be guys that will that will be around with sticks, and it doesn't take much to just kind of, sh- from what I'm told, I act like I'm an expert, doesn't take much to just kind of shoo them away. They see all the people, and they, that's not a that's not a thing, right? But but here's the deal, there it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Now the Nile did. I didn't know that that there's a there's a version of a crocodile called the Nile crocodile, and it's one of the biggest. And it can grow up to six meters, which is almost 20 feet long. Last time I checked, that's probably pretty close to. It's pro, this room's probably 25 or so. I don't know. Somebody could count that real quick. But but it's it's pert near the the size. Like that's a big deal. Yes, it is. That's a big sinking crocodile. The Egyptians had a god to the crocodile. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because there's at least some interpretations. You know, when Moses comes back later and he casts the snake down and it becomes a serpent, and the and the uh, 
Janice and Jambres, I think, right? Uh, they also do theirs. Mm -hmm. There's some reason to believe that because they had a god that was a crocodile, that it turned into that theirs turned into a crocodile. Okay, mm -hmm. it's some interpretation kind of stuff. I don't know, but the 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 Hebrew word there can mean river monster. Looks like a river monster to me, right? So, so this little boat would have protected Moses because it wouldn't have been appealing as lunch mm -hmm. for the crocodile. Wow. Like, exactly. Mom thought through that. Mm -hmm. Mom thought through that. And then the last thing, this placement, she put it in the flags or the, the bulrushes, right? The, the area along the bank. Why? Because the current doesn't go there, right? I mean, if you've ever been like canoeing or things like that where the weeds get over on the side or the bulrushes or the, the papyrus I'll probably in the, in, in, uh, in the Nile, right? The current's not strong there. I mean, it's clearly wet. It's part of the Nile, but it's not strong. Putting this basket, she would have put it exactly where she wanted to. Exactly. There's. This is not. This is not some. This is not some miracle that God took the little boat and floated it right where it needed to be. Right. Mom set the child right where she wanted, so that the baby Moses would be found. Right. Exactly what what the plan was. Okay. And the reason I think this is important is because it addresses these risks, right? It addresses the risks, and it brings us really to our first our, our relationship rule, our first relationship rule. Sending someone on a faith journey does not happen by accident. It is purposeful, okay? It's purposeful. People don't trip into faith. They grow into faith, okay? Now, you may be in a situation where you trip into a situation where your faith needs to be exercised, okay? But this church, this ministry is all about developing your faith. It's all about growing what is there. And you, and I'm a big proponent, you've probably heard me say it before, take the next step. I don't know what the next step in your spiritual walk is, but take it. Take the next step. The Lord will honor it. Because it's, journey, it's a journey, it's a purposeful journey. So when you're investing in other people, you're doing so purposefully. Mm -hmm. And you can do it. It doesn't have to feel clunky, pur purposeful, right? If I get together with, uh, with a guy for breakfast, it's purposeful, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't make it like weird it's not like i have an agenda we shall talk about this today and we shall discuss this and when we leave here you know you'll have three tasks and i am the guru and you will whatever it's not like that but it's purposeful right it's purposeful all right so this takes us to our second uh second point moses identity all right. This is a part that I honestly that, that really jumped out to me, and I and I, I mean I like the first part, I like the last part, but this is the part that did it for me. All right. So he has an Egyptian name. Notice in Exodus two, in verse ten, and the child grew. So up to this point, he's this child, right? He's a baby. He's a child, right? The child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. 
and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. So literally, the word Moses, the Hebrews have taken it and made it their own, but it's at its core an Egyptian word, which means delivered from the water. Now, that, I don't know about you, that gave me chills. Because it's not about him in the basket. It's about him in the Red Sea. Yeah. He's delivered from the water. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, there's a very physical act. He was taken, he was put in a basket, and the basket was put in the water. A short time later, he's taken out. Okay, sure, fine. But mom, stepmom, or uh, yeah, adopted mom, is that's a foreshadowing. That's a dual yeah. function name. She's mm-hmm. referencing something that she has no idea that he is actually delivered from the water. He is going to be the one that holds up the rod and God holds back the water for. Mm-hmm. Now he has an Egyptian name, Moses. She spoke it. She spoke in that language. And he has an Egyptian look. Now jump down to verse 19. Well, let me let me let me back up just a little bit. Um, verse 15. Now, when Pharaoh heard this thing that Moses had slayed, slain an Egyptian man, right? There was the fight and he kills him and hides him in the sand and that whole thing. So when Pharaoh heard this, he, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the uh, the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to uh, Reuel, their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. Moses' identity at this point is that of an Egyptian. Somebody looks at Moses and they see an Egyptian. The way he was dressed, the way he had his hair or didn't have his hair, his jewelry, whatever it was. He looked like an Egyptian. He had an Egyptian name and he had an Egyptian mind. Now this, I, I don't know if, uh, if Acts 7 is on your, on your page, but... But in Acts 7, Stephen is giving a history of the nation of Israel. And he says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and deeds. Mm -hmm. So when Stephen is referencing uh, Moses, he gives uh, an attribute to Moses of Moses having an Egyptian mind. Because he was taught in Pharaoh's house. Mm -hmm. Right? So he has an Egyptian name an Egyptian look, an Egyptian mind, but a Hebrew identity, okay? That's amazing. And this is important because we're going to see, and spoiler alert, we're not of this world, right? right? Okay? So look back at Exodus 2 in verse 11. This is before he kills the Egyptian. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren. Literally, Moses doesn't see himself as an Egyptian. Despite having an Egyptian name, an Egyptian look, and an Egyptian mind, he sees himself as a Hebrew. 
And what, look at this. Uh, and so, so I, we just read that. But Acts seven twenty three, right, which is the follow on to what I said before. And when he was full forty years, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. It didn't matter all the influences of the world. At his core, he was something different. Okay. Now we've heard all sorts of things about identity, right? People say I identify as this. I'm male, but I identify as a female, right? Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of things like that going on. I just had to share this story. This came from Babylon B. I don't know if anybody follows <laughs> Babylon B. Does anybody know what Babylon B is? Yes. It's a satire website. Hundred percent satire. This is a picture from their website with this story, totally made up. An inspiring story from the world of professional cycling. A motorcyclist who identifies himself as a bicyclist has crushed all the regular bicyclists, setting an unbelievable world record. In a qualifying race for the World Road Cycling League, the motorcyclist crushed the previous 100 mile record of three hours and 13 minutes with his amazing new score of well under an hour. Professional motorcycle racer Judd Banner, the, the brave trans vehicle rider, was allowed to race after he told league organizers he's always felt like a bicyclist in a motorcyclist body. Look, my ride has handlebars, two wheels, and a seat, he told reporters as he accepted a trophy. Just because I've got a little extra hardware, such as a 1100cc flat twin engine with a 110 horsepower doesn't mean I don't have any kind of inherited advantage. Banner also said he painted the word Huffy on the side of his bike, ensuring that he has no advantage over the other bikes that came out of the factory as bicycles. You're really getting so much I am. Some site critics say he needs to cut off his motor in order to make the competition fairer, but he quickly called these people bigots, and they were immediately banned from professional bicycle racing. So, that is so good. Oh so, my god. And it's meant oh. to be funny, oh. right? But we have an identity problem. Yes, we do. Okay? That's good. And it's because we are designed, I would say, or at least made, I don't know if designed, but made to have two natures. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to function here, yes. but not be of here, yes, right? right? And that is that is the inherent turmoil. Mm -hmm. And I would argue it's the inherent turmoil that even the lost have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I talked with a lady this week, one of the gals on my team. She needed some time off because she needed to go visit her daughter in the hospital. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know anything was wrong with your daughter. And so she, she communicated directly and indicated that it was a, a psychological matter. Uh, and she needed to go visit her because there were, in part... There were so many young people in the psychiatric center that they were sleeping in the hallways. My gosh. Right now. Wow. Now, she's up in the Northeast where lockdowns are a lot more serious and, and a lot more things. I guess I would argue in certain aspects the cure is worse than the disease. And I'm not talking about the economy. Right. I think there's real medical impact for some people right because of these and i think her daughter is is potentially caught up in that fray and the problem is that people are not able to reconcile yes because they can't do it with their brain they have to do it with their spirit and their spirit's dead right so look at this so moses had this identity problem okay 
in the sense that he was a Hebrew, but he looked like an Egyptian. In Exodus 20, or in Exodus 2, but notice now after he interacts with the with the 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 um, the women and, and stay, in verse 22, 21 it says and Moses was content to dwell with the man and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter and she bare him a son and he called his name Gershom uh, for he said I have been a stranger in a strange land that is such the problem that we have we are a stranger in a strange land John 8 23, Jesus says, uh, and he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above, ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. And then he continues later in the book of John, if ye, now talking to the disciples, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own, but because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you, right? Therefore the world hateth you. And then verse um, uh, John 17 and verse 14, I have given them thy word and the word that hath, um, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Right. So, so Moses has this identity problem. He very much looks like an Egyptian. He talks like an Egyptian. He's, you know, he walks like a duck. He quacks like a duck. He's an Egyptian but he's not, okay? And we have flesh on us. We have to navigate this world. I'm looking forward to having lunch, but I'm ultimately someday looking forward not having to eat the way that we eat now. I, you know, I, I don't mind taking a good nap or hitting the bed at the end of the day when I've worked hard, but I'm also looking forward to the day when I don't have to sleep anymore. Because I'm not going to be of this world, right? And in Romans 12, and this is what I would argue is happening. It's not a, it's not a singular event in Moses' life. This is what I would argue is happening on the backside of the desert. Is that he is doing a version of Romans 12 too. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. It's not something that happens overnight. It's a process, and Sam was talking about it. If you haven't been to service yet and you're going to go to service, I don't think I'm letting on some secret. He's going to talk about the way, in essence, that you do this, and you, and you change by doing. You change by, by, by acting different, and then your brain will literally rewire. That's what, he's ask, that's what Christ is asking us to do and challenging Paul specifically. is challenging. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? This brings us to our second relationship rule of the day. You serve, or you best serve others when you invest in the eternity, in, in, in the eternal, not the temporal. Right? You best serve others. This relationship, these relationships that we have with each other, look, I want you to eat healthy and, and you know, you know, exercise and do the things you need to do to live a, lot, a long life. I mean, I, I want the best for you. But I'm more concerned about your eternity. Mm-hmm. Because you might have a embolism or a blood clot or whatever it is, and you might be done later today. You know, so I mean, there was a guy that I had a kind of peripheral relationship with in the in the profession that I work in. Pretty pretty healthy dude, 
pretty healthy dude. Ran every day. They found him sitting at the base of a tree with all his, you know, running clothes on. He went out for a run, didn't feel well, sat down at the tree and died. Mm. Happens. Mm -hmm. It happens. So I'm more concerned about the eternal. And I best serve you when I invest in that. Now, there are some ways to get the right to invest in your eternal state by ministering to your temporal state. Amen. Okay, and that's where ministry sometimes gets a little wonky because they su- uh, they uh, uh, substitute yes. the physical ministry as the end game. It's not the end game. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the pathway to earn the right to share the gospel yes. Yes. or to invest in someone's eternity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to do the first in order for someone to open up. That's true. Sometimes that's very uh, very necessary. So let's look at this third aspect, the separating of the nation and forsaking the world. So so Moses has gone through this transformation. When he walks back into Egypt, he's a different dude. Okay? Now, what we see here is in Exodus 10. So we've jumped forward several chapters. And if you want to turn there, that's fine. We're going to be 10, 11, 12. But we jump forward several chapters in the story, right? We've passed a burning bush, and we've passed the, the rod being cast out. Some pretty significant things, right? Mm-hmm. And I and we just that's not the nature of this study because we're looking at Hebrews 11, and Hebrews 11 doesn't talk about those things, okay? So we're, we're hitting some mountaintops, right? If we were to get in a plane and fly to... California, and we flew over the Rocky Mountains, there would be mountaintops that we would see. We wouldn't get to see all the detail, right? But we just have to look at the mountaintops today, right? Mm-hmm. But look in Exodus 10, in, in uh, 28 and 29, And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, and take heed to thyself. See my face no more, for in that day that thou seest my face, thou shalt die. Mm-hmm. And Moses said, Thou hast well, spoken well. I will see thy face again no more. There is an inherent separation from the world. Mm-hmm. Those aren't always, look, those aren't always wonderful conversations. I had to end some relationships in my life after I got saved mm-hmm. because they, they weren't interested in hearing the gospel. They weren't interested in seeing the new me, right? In Exodus 11, verse 8, And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, bow down themselves, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went from Pharaoh in a great anger. Right? So Pharaoh had it. Moses has to take that approach. But look at his charge to the nation of Israel in Exodus twelve twenty-two, And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. This is the instructions around the Passover, right? Mm-hmm. And ye shall t- um, and ye sh- and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. There is a separation that needs to happen between you and, and the world. Mm-hmm. So now Moses is applying literally not just the things that he's heard about this situation, but he's applying the transformation that he has learned that there has to be a separation. Egypt, the system of the world, is oppressing the, the, uh, the, the Jews, the oppressing the nation of Israel. And they need to get out. 
And then last, but certainly not least, in Exodus 12, 31 to 32, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and and said, rise up, get you forth from among my people. There will come a point in some relationships, not only will you separate yourself from them, but they will be done with you. They will be done with you. And you need to be okay with that. God's got a purpose. You need to be okay with that. It's put in different ways and nice little memes on the on Facebook and that like. But scripture is very clear. If you need to separate yourself from the world, separate yourself from specific relationships in the world, separate yourself. So it brings us to our last relationship rule for the day. Number three, there is a healthy separation from the world. There is a healthy separation. This is not isolation. This is not don't interact with the world. Okay. A healthy separation from the world. Separation will lead to deliverance. Okay? Maybe it's deliverance from the relationship. Maybe it's deliverance from the things that you experienced in that relationship. And deliverance will lead to differentiation. And I realize those are, you know, look, I mean, they're just kind of $5 words thrown up there. But my point is, you will separate from the world. That separation will cause you to start living a different way. You will be delivered from things, right? And then that will lead to a differentiation where someone will look at you and see that you're no longer an Egyptian, okay? When Moses came back in to the nation of Egypt and subsequently when he left, there was no mistaking. He was a Jew. He was a Hebrew. He didn't look like he still had his name. But he didn't look like a Hebrew, or it didn't look like an Egyptian anymore. He looked like a Hebrew. And that brings us again to our close here. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus or Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. This is a concept that requires faith over fear okay going to the backside of the wilderness changing your identity i mean most when we looked at that very first i mean you it's on the on the front page of your notes um if you look at verse uh, 27 by faith he forsook egypt not fearing the wrath of the king and when i first read that i'm like he absolutely feared the wrath of the king that's why he ran away but it's talking about post transformation Mm -hmm. it's talking about the change that occurred in and through him that allowed him to be to go in boldly to the to pharaoh and say things are going to change our relationship's no longer the same and your your leading of the nation of israel is no longer going to be the same so i pray specifically for you today that you're taking the next step in your transformation I don't know what that looks like, and I'm willing to bet with the 20 of us in the room, it looks like 20 different things. Yeah. And if I, if I was teaching this and preaching this message in the auditorium, there's 200 people, it might take on 200 different ways, right? So I don't want to, to um, surmise what your next step is. That's not my point. But my point is, whatever it is, you need to take it. And if you've never even taken that first step of basic belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't do any of the others. It's literally like 
you know, the the joke of the the motorcycle race. It'd be like running a race not on the racetrack. Like you got to get in the game first, and you the only way to do that is through faith. Uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, his shed blood on Calvary, his death, burial, and your your uh, his his application of the blood to your to your sins. So I, I'm going to pray here. If you've never made that decision, I just please grab me after after uh, after we're done. Just I just would beg you. Yeah, I won't try to convince you of anything, but we'll at least pray so that you can start that process. And if you already have made that decision then I'm going to challenge you to consider. I bet the Lord's made it clear to you what your next step is. I bet, maybe not right this minute, but I bet you know or you will in the next 24 or 48 hours. The Lord's going to, the Lord's going to bring it up. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. And when he does, you have a choice, faith or fear. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for uh, the, the depth of your word. We thank you for even the little things in scripture that give us a, a more complete picture of what's going on and, and help us to understand uh, how we can navigate living in this world but not being of it. And so, Lord, I pray for anybody who hasn't made the first, the first step, literally the, the choice of, of applying your sacrifice to their sin nature and to their sin condition, Lord, I pray that that, uh, they would not be settled in their spirit until they can take care of that, until they talk to me or someone else in this church. Maybe they go down front at the end of uh, service or or what have you, Lord, that we get that taken care of. And Lord, for those who have made that decision, Lord, help us to be mindful, whether it's whether it's baptism, whether it's membership in this church, not that that's in and of itself an end, other than just a, an opportunity to be a minister. Uh, help us to each take that step. Uh, maybe it's to sign up for discipleship. Maybe it's to determine that it's time for me to disciple. Um, whatever it is, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to, to choose faith over fear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.